He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 123 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. As always, I'm James, and I'm joined by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey, Barry. James, how's it going? I'm all right. Uh, if anybody would like to interact with us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is a good talk golf, and our email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com, and you'll also find myself and Barry on Game Golf as well, so... Uh, we can interact on that and see each other's games and comment on it. Talking about our own games, Barry, um, how was your golf over the weekend? Very happy with how I played. Um, didn't uh, didn't get the score out of the round that I thought I might. So, you know, I'm, I've been very performance-focused this year. You know, I just believe that if I keep thinking or believing I'm performing well and try not to fool myself, but... You know, if I'm satisfied with how I'm playing and hitting shots, that the scores will eventually come. Um, I hit a, hit a lot of very good shots there in the weekend, a couple of loose ones, and uh, just didn't quite get a score together. But um, yeah, overall happy enough. Really enjoyable game. We, so we've only uh, a few was, weeks left. Yeah, it's qualifying. It's, it's getting close. It's every, every big kind of uh, day of rain or big kind of shower that comes through. It just adds another layer of water to the surface and. It's this time of year where the heat doesn't get up that much, so this, the ground just doesn't dry out, doesn't lose that water. So it's, well, just, we, it's a building process. We of definitely water. have two more full weekends because we have the Stag Cup in two weeks. We have our last yeah. medal this weekend, and then the following weekend is the Stag Cup that normally is the last big thing that, that occurs in the club. And it's just the whether. Next weekend after that is the one that's going to be a little bit iffy. There's still talk. Uh, the golf club are going to try and do one on the Saturday. Maybe the Sunday will be then the first of the winter. But it's it's all it's, it's all conditions dependent at this stage. You know how the course holds up and what what weather comes through in the next two or three weeks. So well, it's still quite mild. It was eighteen eighteen degrees on the car at yeah, one yeah. stage over the last while. Um, I was down in Connemara um, playing in the Connemara Pro Am with Mark O'Mahony and his dad and, and another guy. And, I have to say, it is a stunning gem of a course. Um, if you are ever in that part of the world, listeners, go to Connemara and play the golf course because it is absolutely superb. It's west of Ireland for anyone who's west familiar Ireland, with the yeah. Irish geography. There is literally, at the end of the golf course, there is a kind of caravan park, holiday home place. The next stop after that, I think, is somewhere around New York. Right. Uh, so you're right out very exposed uh, but very fair to be you know we I not played it and we teed it up on the Saturday and everything's in front of you you can kind of see everything mm. um, so it's is just, it a links or it's a semi oh no it's full it's links, links. Yeah, full links. Okay. Um, no full links um, uh, spitting distance to the sea Great. no holes are right on the seafront but like there's a road a bit of land and then the sea that's it so it's very much links okay um, brilliant um, so it is one to go to, and that's you're saying that's the home course of Kenny Fahey, who I played with in Luttrellstown when he won the tournament. The yeah, from yeah, the, so uh, two or three weeks ago. So that's his home track. That's his home track, and uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's some place to learn to play golf because um, you know you'll you'll learn pretty quick how to play in wind, mm-hmm. um, 
Now, I have to say, and I'd love if anybody had seen this happen in any tournament they've ever played in. And if you have, let me know at a good talk golf. And um, we were day two. We had just finished. We started on the 10th and we had just walked off the back of the 13th, which was a part three. And uh, Spider, who's the, the, the PGA of Ireland organizer, he was sitting in the buggy and said uh, to, to myself and Mark, just to let you know, um, we're not playing the 18th hole. And Mark went, what? And I was kind of thinking, we're not playing the 18th. Oh, maybe because there's 27 holes. So maybe we hadn't been told that actually we were playing another one for some reason. Yeah. And uh, he goes, no, no, just 17 hole competition today, lads. Uh, the ball is oscillating on the 18th uh, green. So we've just decided to discontinue the playing of the 18th. <laughs> so we were it's like... decommissioned for the day. Yeah, so we were like, well, what, what, what do we do? And they were like, oh, you play, play the par 5 17th and then you can play 18 if you want or you can just walk up 18 and go to the first and keep, keep playing. So I've never played in a professional tour, pro-am or in any tournament. Well, you've never played in a professional other. tournament, James. I have not, well, no, no, sorry, this is a professional tournament. I, my name was not <laughs> in that actual side. competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, it's really, really weird. I've never seen that. It, and the fact of the matter was... The ball, I have no doubt, was oscillating up there. But it was also oscillating on other parts of the course. But they either didn't bother going and checking or they decided they didn't want to delay or cancel mm. the day. So they just said, look, we'll take out that one. But if anybody has seen it I, I before... Expo- I spoke to a colleague about this. She's a referee for the ILGU. Um, oh, yeah. And she said she's encountered it before in a couple of uh, very windy days again. So uh, not, not, an, not an unheard of thing, but certainly not a very common thing. Well, it's, a, it's, it's new to yeah. me, but there you are. Um, so look, let's move on to what was really the story of the weekend. And it was the 41st playing of the uh, Ryder Cup between the USA and Europe. This was being played at Hazeltine uh, National Golf Club over in the States. And I suppose at this stage, you'd need to be living under a rock not to know that the United States won 17 points to 11. And... Um, I think the six-point swing probably doesn't really tell the full story. I think if you saw that, you would assume it was a complete um, one-way traffic. But that that isn't really the way it was. General views, Barry, before we kind of look at at certain key points over the course of the weekend. Um, Good Ryder Cup. Did you enjoy it? Did you watch it all? Watched a large majority of it. Pretty much everything on Friday. I went and played Milltown with a few, a uh, couple of friends. Well, sorry, Alan of uh, of podcast fame, who used to be a presenter on the show, and a couple of other friends, Brian and Matt. We played Milltown on Friday. Uh, played a really fun gambling format called Wolf, which we'll do and we'll talk about another week. Maybe we'll do some uh, golf betting games. And we spent the day watching the Ryder Cup in the golf club. So that was really enjoyable. Um, a little bit drunk, but uh, good. You know, we felt kind of. Uh, we could identify with the American fans a bit with that uh, the drinking culture. That was enjoyable. Saturday, I uh, played golf. and No, I actually took golf off that day and just watched all day, which was uh, really enjoyable. Uh, take it all in, watch as much as possible. And funnily enough, Sunday night, I went out. So I left and uh, headed out with a few friends and didn't watch the golf on Sunday evening because I, I just felt it was a foregone conclusion. And... Uh, yeah, so I've, I've I've since watched the highlights and I saw a lot of the uh, the Rory Reid um, showdown. And so the the really key parts of it, I I, I, I saw live. And uh, 
Look, overall, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was... Uh, I was thoroughly entertaining um, with some good points and sour points in between which we'll get to throughout the show yeah you, yeah like I watched a lot of it in a pub um, which is never a good idea um, it's hard to keep up with it all. not so hard to keep up with it but it's it's hard for things certain parts of it or even shots or, or sections of it to be memorable when you're in a pub yeah, it's like, easy to lose yeah, track well, of it and, yeah no we watch quite a good but like we watch it like Really, the pub that we were in was just everybody from the pro-am. So, mm. like, it was all the pros and all the amateurs. So, we were all pretty much glued to it. The thing was that everyone's chatting. We are all talking about the golf that day. We are talking about, you know, different parts of the golf and stories that's yeah. going on. And so, we were watching it unfold. And we certainly saw quite a huge amount of it. Didn't hear the crowd because the sound wasn't on in the pub. Mm-hmm. So, I missed a huge amount of that until Sunday night when I got home. And then Monday when I rewatched bits to kind of hear the, 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 the crowd itself. In terms of the the spectacle, I I, I love the Ryder Cup. Um, I thought on a general basis it was good. It was a good demonstration of how good that tournament can be. Um, I think there, as you said, there is some bits that we're going to talk about shortly that were not so good. The course itself, though, has come in for some criticism by the Europeans. They're saying that it wasn't set up really to punish wayward drives or bad shots that most of the pins were flat bang in the middle of the greens for the most part wherever there was water on the right hand side or the left the pin was the opposite side um, home field advantage you get to pick Paul mm-hmm. McGinley previously has said that he at Glen Eagles kept very close to his chest how he wanted it he wanted the rough thicker because he wanted to punish wayward drives because he believed that would be in our advantage is this sour grapes not necessarily to the result, but to the manner in which look, that's home field advantage, and you just kind of have to suck it up? Or I don't think they meant it to be come across as so sour. I think they just wanted to make a point and, and, and let it be known that they were making a point. And um, it's it's certainly not an excuse. You know, both teams are playing the same course. You have the same chance to score as the opposition, and of course, why would the Americans not play to their perceived strength in setting up the course? Yeah, you got home field advantage of the crowd, and you get to set up the course the way you want to do it. Um, I we, we can have no complaints about it. You know, if if the course is set up to go make birdies, go make birdies. So if if we forget the way it's set up as a spectacle. There were the changes, so they, they wanted mm. different holes at different times. Yeah, yeah I think... 16, was, obviously, mm. was moved. Um, do you think that aspect of, of, of the rejig, um, did that work as, as a course hosting? We've had some iconic courses over mm-hmm. the years host the Ryder Cup. Would this be one that played to the Ryder Cup's strengths insofar as it really was a spectacle? First tee, obviously, was brilliant, the, the grandstands yeah, around yeah. it. And the one around 16 was great. I, th- I thought overall the course lent itself to some, some good matches and put itself, you know, the way, they, the way they reorganized the holes and the order of the holes, I thought, um, yeah, I thought overall I was quite happy with it. I didn't, nothing came to mind that said, oh, they should have done this or they should have reorganized it that way. So uh, it, it felt right and um, I, I, yeah, I have nothing more to say on it. So the course is all right. The, 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 the course setup is fine. Now let's look at the pairings because this is the meat and bones of it. Um, 
we start the Friday morning foursomes and uh, I'm going to slightly pat myself on the back here because we were chatting before mm-hmm. the announcement on the opening day. Um, sorry, at the opening ceremony and we said, so who's going to go out for the Europeans on Friday morning? And I had set my four over to you and uh, right down to the very last one, I think was at uh, Westwood. I thought I, I had Westwood and Willett going out and it became Westwood and Peters. You got seven from eight in the right order until the last one. It was very impressive. Um, unfortunately, in it, it, terms it of, didn't perform as well as you guessed. No. And, and this really, other than, you know, further down, other than the Phil Mickelson, Ricky Fowler and the Rory McIlroy, Andy Sullivan game, all of them were blowouts in the grander scheme of it. Three mm. and two, Spieth and Reed against uh, Stenson and Rose, four and two, Jimmy Walker, Zach Johnson, Garcia Keimer, Dustin Johnson and Matt Kuchar, five and four for Lee Westwood and Thomas Peters. If we start with the European guys, do you think that Darren Clark made the right choice in putting out the very, very strongest pairings, the, the most experienced guys that he could or was there a trick missed at that early stage of putting out Danny Willett or putting out Matthew Fitzpatrick? And you know, were you happy when you saw that? Was that that a set of groups that you thought, okay, they can they can put some blue on the board early? I wasn't. You know, you know, because we were talking about. It, I wasn't totally thrilled. I thought this was a great opportunity in the foursomes to put two rookies together. There, for reasons like they're going out with no expectations. They're they both have something in common. And, uh, you know, it gets two rookies their first game as well out of the six rookies. I really think all all players should have played on the first day. I think you're building up to the Ryder Cup. You've got all this adrenaline. You've got the whole week just thinking about it, the tensions there, the butterflies and nerves. And you have nowhere to release that on the Friday. If you don't play the first day, you have nowhere to release that. So it amps up again even more. So you might be more tense and nervous and filled with adrenaline that you you you'd no outlet for if you have to wait until the Saturday to play. So I, I, I think as a whole, Clark missed a, tr- a couple of tricks that day. Um, I think he should have played a, a, a double a pairing of uh, two rookies and he should have played everybody in the first day. Uh, and, you know, but, but to be fair to Darren Clark, and, and he's, he's gone out, it's four and zero. Like it's, it's, it's an absolute blowout. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Westwood had left what little form he had on the bus on the way to the course. Uh, the putter was in the freezer for the night. He missed some appalling putts for halves and wins. And, and you could see it in the context of, like, they were five down um, by, I think, the eighth or ninth hole. Like, it was, it was just appalling golf. Yeah. Darren, to be fair, makes a change. And I suppose we're going to look slightly more in the favourable side of the Europeans. So we... We will look at the US, but just for the moment, looking at the European. Darren Clark does make a fairly strategic change, whether or not it was um, what he had planned. He's seen the problem with Lee Westwood. He's gone. Mm -hmm. He's taken out. Yep. Do you think that for the afternoon four balls, which were one, three and one to, to the Europeans, he makes changes. Do you credit him for the fact that he obviously saw what was going on, made the changes... And, and, and went out, Rose and, uh, Rose and Stenson 5-4, and four. Garcia Cabarabello 3-2, and two. and McElroy Peters 3-2. 5-4 and four was the uh, the Keimer-Willett 
and uh, I think they were two individuals who just didn't have much form over the course of the week yeah. itself. I'm, I'm never going to panic if Rose and Stenson lose a match together because we know how good they are and can be together. So they lose, of course they're going to lose a match. They're not, you know, they're not perfect, they're not robots. So they lose their morning match, no big deal. They'll figure it out. Um, I love the old Spanish pairing of Garcia Cabrera Bayo. That was great. You've got the Jose Sevry, Sevy memories together. Bridge, no, you know, can't say anything wrong against that. Keimer and Willett, look, Willett's just. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the you know the stuff behind Willett later on, but um, talk about your all-time shit setups for the week. You know, for putting you in the right, you know, in a place to go play uh, Ryder Cup. Um, I don't think he was ever going to perform well after the comments from his brother and, and the damage control and everything he subsequently had to do with that. And McElroy Peters was just fantastic. Put the two big boys together and. They, uh, Peters blossomed and brilliantly as well because he was he was the rookie with the most pressure on him from both teams I would say this week and um, with the most expectation and uh, well he he ended up being top point scorer in the Ryder Cup he really he really got and the he thing just, he won the thing about it was and it was a point that was made down in in Connemara to me that. We talked last week about some of these guys aren't actually really rookies. They've done a lot. Mm-hmm. Danny Willett's a major champion. You know, guys have won big tournaments both in Europe and the States. So they're not they're not rookie rookies. And and, and a lot of the pros that were down there said, Look, these guys will be just as nervous on the first tee of a Ryder Cup as they will be teeing it up with a lead or mm-hmm. in contention on a Sunday at a major or at a at tournament that might be their first. So for them They'll go through their own process. They'll do what they do normally. And they'll be standing on the tee going, yeah, okay, it's a Ryder Cup, but this ball has to go down there. I take my deep breath. I take my stride, you know, and, and they go into the, the system of the rhythm of any ordinary game. Yeah. They also were making the point about the likes of Matthew Fitzpatrick. This is an amateur champion. Huge match play experience. Doesn't play on the first day. Mm-hmm. Is this Darren Clark not trusting him? Is it Darren Clark not really, you know, believing in him? I, like, I don't get why Chris Wood and, and Fitzpatrick, Matthew Fitzpatrick don't, don't find some way out of the team I told, over I, the first day. I couldn't agree more. I, it's just, for whatever reason Clark's left them out, uh, from a play, I'm putting myself in a player's shoes. From that perspective, all I would take from that is my captain doesn't trust me to go out. Uh, and get us a point or to get out there on the course and that's that knocks your confidence it would knock your confidence and add that to the the pent-up adrenaline i have that i just you know i'm ready to play and i have to store that up and bottle it up for another night to play until a saturday it's a it's a terrible combination i think and um really surprising to not see fitzpatrick out with with all his uh all his um wins as an amateur in Spanish experience in match play but you see then we come to the end of day one we've had a real Jekyll and Hyde moments mm-hmm. we've had the worst possible start at four and zero Clark has made a change they've gone out they've won the afternoon three and one it's now five three it now doesn't look quite as bad as it did at lunchtime we start Saturday morning foursomes and to be fair we we maintain quite a lot of the the the, the main guys. There's a, the Stenson Rose pairing is split, and Chris Wood goes with Rose. Matt Fitzpatrick stays with Henrik Stenson. 
But you talked about Peters back out with Rory, mm-hmm. won the previous night, won again four and two, like against Fowler and Mickelson, big players for the States. This is now these guys are on these are on cloud cuckoo now. Like these are they're right. they're they're pumping now. Like they're right up there. Sergio and Cabrera Bello, like they're four down and they win what five, uh, they win four out of the last uh, fourteen six, yeah, six yeah. holes yeah. to get a half. Like it's superb golf. Really good. Now it helped that read and read and speed seemed to run out of steam a little bit, but you have to take advantage of it. And the two boys did. And again, they showed great team, great teamwork. There was a great pairing. You know, there's a good atmosphere between the two of them. They're playing well. They're buzzing. How you split that momentum up for the afternoon is just staggering. And I think this is what shouldn't be lost. They're five three. Saturday morning, Europe win two and a half to one and a half. So mm-hmm. we're now looking at six and a half to five, five and, and a half. half. There's a point between it. Mm-hmm. We've started in a really bad place. We're four down after Friday morning. Yeah. We're now one point back. I'm saying to you and to other people, fair play to Darren Clark. What he's done, he's seen the problems. Mm-hmm. He sent guys out and they're doing well. They're obviously, you know, they're right back in it. We're now down to just that. What he does next, in my opinion, is where it swings in this whole uh, Ryder Cup. This is, this is the most important session, which is the Saturday afternoon four ball, which changes the complexion on mm-hmm. this. We have Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson against McElroy and Peters. Goes three and one. And yeah. no, you know, perfect. Then all of a sudden, Lee Westwood, who hasn't been around for two sessions... Stunk it out on the first morning. Mm-hmm. We had Danny Willard who stunk it out when he was playing. And what did they do? He pairs the two of them together. Yeah. Like, if you're not seeing that, it concerns me about either who was feeding the information into him or did he just say, no, that's what I'm doing? Because I think I'd have said to Lee Westwood, you played so bad on Friday, my friend. We'll see you at the singles. Because we've now got back to one point. Sure, yeah, yeah. Why do it? You know, and this is the problem. Martin Keimer, Sergio Garcia. Again, we've had a good pairing. They've battled through. Rafa and Sergio Rafa. have momentum. And we all know Ryder Cups are so... Momentum is such a huge part of it. Why would you stop that? But they just... It, it seemed like he default back to yeah. the conservative position on the mon- Friday now, now morning. We got, we got back to one. Mm-hmm. And then he reverts back. We, we put Rose and Stenson back together, Martin Keimer and Sergio. We've now lost Matthew Fitzpatrick. We've now lost Chris Wood. We've lost Rafa cabrera Bello, who, in my opinion, was the standout oh, for the whole great. of the tournament. Where's Andy Sullivan? Andy Sullivan is gone. And now, all of a sudden, we default back to the guys who weren't doing it. Danny Willett didn't do it. Lee Westwood didn't do it. Martin Keimer wasn't doing it. Yeah. You know, it just, to me, was really poor management of the group that was there and mm. seeing what was going on. And this is last, what, three and one. It, now we've ended up going, you know, we're now three and a half points behind going into the singles. It, it was like, say for, it was like this was the teams he had planned. These are the teams he had planned for the Saturday afternoon four balls from maybe four weeks ago or six weeks ago. And he just didn't adapt. He didn't adapt. It was just really, really poor. And, um, like I, I completely agree with you. This is where the Ryder Cup was swung. We did all the right things to get back in. We won, you know, the two sessions, 
the Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, we're back to within one point. And why would you change what was working to get you there and go back to what didn't work in the first place? And what you're obviously hoping for, as and you know, you're looking at it going, well, let's half the last session. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just go two two. Oh, big time! Let's Happy just days. walk out and we'll finish at a point, you know, difference or even a point and a half difference. Now all of a sudden the psych, you know, the psychological position for Sunday's singles mm. is, I'm not three and a half points behind now. I'm only one and a half or one. I don't have to go out and win this in the first three or four players. Yeah. And does that then change because of his misstep there? He then has to fight and challenge on the Sunday. And I'm not sure that this was going to be the way he would have sent out the singles if this had been... It would have been a little bit different. I I, I just don't think that you're going to have Matthew Fitzpatrick holding up the bottom. And I don't think that you're going to... I think Rory was always going out first, personally. Oh, yeah. I think that was always... And I'd probably think Stenson... I'd, 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 say, I'd say there were more than a few text messages or notes passed between Davis Love's office and Darren Clark's office to set up that Rory and Patrick Reed match at the top. Uh, or or it's just, you know, they just know it's going to happen. And so. that was, look, that was the one that everybody wanted to see. You watched it and you texted me when I was driving home, which I didn't read, obviously, if the police are uh, listening to me. I saw it when I got you home. You posted the text. <laughs> um, yeah. Which said, this is turning out to be the greatest singles Ryder Cup match that I have ever watched in Ryder Cup. It was just... the, the it, it seemed, and looking back on it, you know, one landed a punch, the guy counter-punched. One guy held a 35-footer, the next guy held a 28-footer. Like, it just went back and forward. Like, they just slugged it out, like, yeah. Forum and, you know, and Ali. Just keep going. Just keep punching me until somebody falls over. It, it, it kind of went beyond golf to theatre then and it was just entertainment and a show. It, it was one, It was wonderful. We'll, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about that for many years to come. It, it was brilliant and um, yeah, it'll be one that we'll enjoy watching in the highlights. Even though Patrick Reed came out on top at the end, you know, the results of that match almost kind of goes by the wayside to the the sheer theatre and entertainment value it it was just it was great Uh, really really enjoyed it look Darren had to top load he had to put the big big boys up the top and hopefully they four four out of the top five got wins and that would put us in a position but um, that didn't happen Uh, we got in fairness we got three and a half to uh, two and a half out of the top six matches which is good, you know, but we've shot our load with the top six players. But, or, but or ultimately, six players, ultimately over the course of the 12 singles, we lose seven and a half. Like that's, that's the, the points that go to the US. The back end swung it, hard it for the US. It just never quite in. And it, it was so, like there were a few tough, tough and tight calls, you know, Ryan Moore against Lee Westwood. Like Ryan Moore wins three, uh, the last three holes mm. to win one up, you know, Dare I say, if it wasn't him that was there, was that going to happen? Danny Willett's weekend eventually finished in just dreadful standards at, at five and four after winning only the second hole over the course of the day. You know, Martin Keimer pulled it together. Matthew Fitzpatrick struggled a bit. But ultimately, the Americans in singles, we always know Americans in singles at the Ryder Cup are always really strong. Mm-hmm. You know, the miracle of Medina was really the bucking of a trend come the, 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 the singles. It just all went a little flat, in my opinion, from Saturday night four balls into the Sunday 
singles where that three and a half and then there was a bit of red on the board and it just it just ebbed away and, and at that stage it was not going to just be four and a, 14 and a half it was oh yeah it was moving to 15 yeah. 16 17 and, and in fact it was probably thankful that it ended at 17 because i think it could have gone a couple of more but i i, I don't know if i want to say that the americans won this Ryder cup or did very key decisions that were mishandled hand them an easier path to the victory that should have been a little bit more hard fought on the Sunday by Darren Clark's decisions on the pairs on on, on Saturday afternoon and the four ball. I, I don't think there's one 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 exact thing that will cause it to happen or cause a, a victory or a loss to happen. I I think the Americans outplayed us and even if Darren had made a couple of better decisions and say for the Saturday afternoon four ball, um, I, I can forgive him the Friday morning pairings. You know that's that's fine. He had there were a couple of slightly risky things he could have done with that, but when he made all the right calls or a lot of really good calls to get get it back and then seemed to kind of shit the bed a bit on the the Friday the Saturday afternoon four balls, that that helps an op, you know an opponent. He gave up momentum. We had momentum, and he gave that up with a couple of his pairing changes. And we know how important momentum is in a Ryder Cup. The team feeds off it. Different matches feed off it. The crowd feeds off it, and that reflects back on the players how they play, how the scoring happens. It's it all it all kind of comes together to to give that one result. I think, but is even, that not the point? Even that, if Darren that he had chosen, gave up. I, no, I think even if Darren had chosen perfect on the Saturday afternoon, and that result had been a little different. Say we went into the singles one point down or one and a half points down. I still think the US win it. I think they played better than us on the whole uh, as a team. We had some great individual performances that were standout. Like Peters and McElroy played brilliantly. Cabrera Bayo was fantastic. Stenson was wonderful at times. You know, a little bit flat here and there, but um, I think as a team, they won. They deserved it, and um, you know, we can analyze it till the cows come home. But I still, I think captains picking teams perfectly. Uh, all things, all other things aside, they were the better team and deserved the win. And, and and I don't dispute that they were the better team. I think. They were always going to win this. I think we said that last week. We just had a gut feeling that this was American Ryder Cup to lose. If they had lost it, I think there would have been a lot of soul-searching. There was a perfect storm with, with Arnold Palmer, with all that was going on there. Mm-hmm. Like There was a lot that was going in favour of the, the US. Yeah. The only reason I make the comment about the Saturday afternoon is, you're absolutely right. Momentum, momentum and putts wins Ryder Cups. Mm. And um, the difficulty is, we got the momentum back. We've now sucked the oxygen a little bit out of the crowd. We've sucked a lot of the oxygen out of the enthusiasm of the American team who start four and zero and two further sessions on are only a point ahead. They've lost the next two now, sessions. Now five all and half, of a sudden a you're going, <clears throat> this is now, you know, if you don't hand them, and I believe personally that Darren Clark's decisions to take pairings that were working and split them yeah. bench players gave that momentum shift back to the Americans and yeah. that made the task for the Europeans in my opinion nigh on impossible mm-hmm. come the Sunday simply on the basis of not only overturning three and a half points but kicking the the oxygen back out of the American team the crowd just became they, they went to bed Saturday night thinking, oh yeah we started four up we went to one up. We're now back to three and a half up. Hey, we're dodging. Was the it three? Was it nine and a half, six and a half? Wasn't it? 
Yeah, nine and a half, six and a half, 16 points. Yeah, so yeah. three points off. So three points off. Oh, they're, they're three ha- points off. They're, 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 they're delighted. Sound, they're seeping soundly. So, like, they've now all of a sudden, you know, and their whole story this week of the Americans, because let's talk about them for a second. Davis Love, back as a captain. They've done the task force. They've done all of the bits. They have the Arnold Palmer thing. They're, there's a lot of love in between Bubba and Tiger and the team and everybody that's there. And... You know, Phil is loving it. Everybody is, it's very pally. It's very, we're making sure that, and I thought, think I heard Davis Love say, you know, this is, um, this is the first time that this team has played together and we need to show the Americans and the Europeans that they want to be here, they, they, that this means something to mm. them, which maybe we haven't done before. And, and that's where you lose that momentum on Saturday afternoon you hand all that back. Mm. They're going into the team room. They're high five and they're loving it. Yeah, and, and they're not dis- they're think. not disjointed this time around. They were a team. You could see it in everything. And then whether obviously they've planned things to the nth degree with the task force and they've structured things, but they all seem to go in with a, a really good attitude to be a team this time around, and that's a crucial difference because we've seen what that's you know what can happen when the Europeans for many many years and many Ryder Cups recently. I've gone in as a team and it's worked phenomenally well. They've, you know, the the sum of the parts has outweighed the, the individuals in it. And uh, the Americans were a great team this week and deserved winners. And hats off to them. They played really well. And do you know what? Like we said, for the good of the Ryder Cup, it is kind of a good thing that the Americans won. It's kind of a good thing that their task force won because they, they put a lot of everything into this one. And they got the result that, all their efforts deserved, I think, and it. Well, it they now close. have a winning structure. They had it in the pod yeah. system previously yeah. for whatever reason. They changed it and they came back. But let's look at the highs and lows, or the the performers and the guys who didn't mm. quite perform. We've talked now at length about the European team, and I, again, that's yeah. the way we were always going to look at it on this particular podcast on this side of the Atlantic. In terms of it, Peters played well. Rory played well. We know that Danny Willett didn't. We know that Lee Westwood. Let's look at the American side. Who out of the American team surpassed your expectation? You know, Ryan Moore, was he the right pick on the right, you know, with the right form? Mm-hmm. Did he live up to the expectation? Who out of the, the Americans who, who do you play, say? Who played above Who played above expectations for me? Uh, Reed, Spieth, obviously Reed played phenomenal. Like, what a performance. He's like the uh, the American Ian Poulter, just for how this event turbocharged him. Like if you watch the way this guy played, you'd think, oh, he's got you know multiple majors in the bag and uh, you know many many career victories. He hasn't even got a top ten in a major, but for whatever reason, this event just turned this guy into an animal, and uh, it was epic to watch. Uh, I thought Phil Phil played very very well. Um, of course, you know, Phil, a bit of everywhere all over the place, but his match with Sergio, you know, the the hidden gem of Sunday, which uh, both players were uh, nine under par for a half. So he was a best he, ball 58, so he played above expectation. So he played for he one, played well. two and a half points, you know, so majorly contributed. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. What, what about somebody like Brooke Kepka? Kepka, yeah. You know, somebody who maybe wouldn't have been the big superstar name in that team when you when you are talking about Dustin Johnson, J.B. Holmes, Ricky Fowler. Um, Brooks. somebody like Brooks like you know surpassed expectation I think Brooks did pretty well yeah um, A- anybody in the team that kind of went mm, Dustin yeah. Johnson was underperforming I thought 
Yeah. I didn't think he was fully firing on all cylinders this week. Um, maybe that that judgment comes from how well he's performed this season and our expectations of him are higher. So he did. He played four one two. Uh, so yeah. he got two points. So like the thing is that you can go through all of the American team and actually mm. pretty much all of them got quite a decent point haulage because of the nature of the fact that they won by seventeen. Snedeker was great. Uh, what do you think of Snedz? I, well, I've always been a fan of Brent Snedeker. I think he's a great player. I, what I liked about him was I thought he just was able to make those putts at times mm. over the course of the the three days when he was playing that just killed a bit of momentum. Yeah, you know, and that. Guys were holding a raker for, say, a birdie for to win the hole. And you're looking at Snedeker going, huh, it's going to be a nice, interesting 12-footer. And it's straight in the front door. Like, yeah. he's not even pretend... Like, if he misses it, he's missing a 20-foot pass. Like, he doesn't give a shit. It's straight in the front door. And that's the thing I thought about Snedeker. But it's very hard in, you know, even the Dustin bit. It's kind of hard to say that anybody in the American team played badly, which mm-hmm. I think probably tells the story that at the end of the day, we can name three or four European guys yeah. on American soil that didn't play well there's and no, didn't even play average with all due respect. There's no, there's no standout stinker of a performance on the American side. No, and I can't think of any that you'd say, like, that's, that's a really, like, if he'll never play again in the Ryder Cup or that's a guy who... And, yeah. like, we talk about the, 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 the likes of Rafa Cabarabello. Like, he's to me, was a standout in the European team because... He came in as a rookie, and I think he surpassed all expectation. I think he's got a great future if he decides, and I fear they will lose him from the European tour over to the US because I think he will succeed mm. in it. Davis Love the third, Bubba Watson, Tiger Woods seem to be like the dream team. Tiger seems to have been doing his stats for the last say, 12 months on every person. Bubba was crying his eyes out. Thanks a million, but thanks a million, Davis, to be part of this team. You know, um, well, backroom team, but uh, Bubba, but it, it, he certainly, you know, cried an awful lot at the end of it. Mm. it. It it showed this time probably for the first time that this meant something to the Americans that perhaps we haven't seen in the past. And um, Davis loved the third redemption for Medina for him. Um, happy for Davis Love. To you know, did you warm to him over the course of the weekend? Not massively, but I didn't watch too many of the captains' interviews. It's usually watch golf, watch golf, watch golf, and uh, then you got a bathroom break. You know, when they're doing the interviews afterwards. Um, look, I, I just I thought overall what what they put together to go to this Ryder Cup, uh, they got it right. You know, and the, the proof is in the win. Um, I think even if they just barely lost it, I thought there was an awful lot of things they did right that they could have taken from this Ryder Cup. So, you know, result aside, uh, the, the backroom team, like with Tiger and um, Furyk and Bubba, and it all really worked well. And they had each of the vice captains had not quite, they didn't quite call them pods, but they had, you know, a few guys under them. And uh, by all accounts, Patrick Reed and Tiger were talking quite a lot and working together. And Patrick Reed said, you know, I'm playing all five match sessions. Don't sit me, and I'm playing them with Jordan Speed. So this is happening, and there was much heard, more. Heard, there was much more input from the American players than there has ever been in terms yeah. of this is who I feel comfortable with, and that makes sense. Like we play inter club all the time, yeah, yeah. and you're saying to yourself, "Well, actually, my my foursome partner won't suit this. Like I I don't actually this." Don't put me with this person because it doesn't work. So it makes sense mm-hmm. to stick the people that want to play and will g each other up. 
And how do, how do you deny somebody with that like confidence and motivation to say, I'm playing all five sessions, I'm going to kick ass this weekend. Like, if nobody else is in of the 12 is saying things like that and of that level, why would you not give that guy his what he wants? I mean, motivation alone and eagerness and enthusiasm alone will be worth probably a point and a half out of that five. So let's look at some of the other storylines because there are other bits that need to be discussed. Mm. The crowd, I suppose, is the is the major talking point post this outside of the golf. Um, the sportsmanship inside the rope we saw probably exemplified by the Rory Jordan, uh, the Rory Reed um, mm-hmm. singles. There was a lot of you know high fiving each other when they made good putts. Like there was a lot of it was it was very clear to me, and I I, I might have been wrong on this, but it was very clear to me that I think the USGA and the European Tour had sat the players down and said, guys. This is going to be a lot of very high-end sportsmanship this week. There's mm. going to be a lot of, that's a good, well done. You know, lots of kids watching, lots of people watching. You know, lots of good sportsmanship. And we, I applaud that. Like, that is absolutely yeah. right. And, and it, it didn't It didn't look forced or fake, though. No, so I, I don't think I, it was. I think the players genuinely enjoyed, I think, it was almost like they said, guys, you're here to put on a show, right? And I know you're two opposite teams, but... The way this show hits its peak is if you both work together. Like we, it's watched, an exhibition we, game. It like is. that's the most important. Like we have to remember, this isn't for money. It's not for. Uh, it's for a trophy, yes, but it's for pride. It's for the good of your continent. It is not for cash. Yeah. The ten, eleven million is played the following week or the week before. This is all down to enjoyment and mm. having a bit of fun. And I think that was exemplified. I think there was an element of the Solheim Cup knocking into this of lads. We don't want to have the same problem there. We want everybody to be playing well, yeah. enjoying each other's company, because there's a lot of kids, a lot of people watching this, so let's do it outside the ropes, however. Um, a lot of comments before with Danny Willett's brother, mm-hmm. not helped by the fact that this interview is released and published just in time for the Ryder Cup. Danny Willett comes out and says, it's not, it's not true. They are very good fans. They're very respectful. Not necessarily at all times um, shown that way to be the case over the course of the the week. And I must say that looking back, there may be those same criticisms from Glen Eagles that there was bolsterousness there and I'm not disputing that. It just seemed to be exemplified. We had the Rory McIlroy incident. Whether that be inside the ropes, outside the ropes, off the course or on the course, what was said to Rory McIlroy isn't acceptable anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it has left... A little, and I only mean a, a smidgen of a bad taste, that we even have to talk about this aspect of the Ryder Cup. Yeah, we shouldn't. In 50,000, 60,000, know, when you have 50,000, 60,000 people, there's always going to be a few that just go too far. I think as the week progressed, as the Friday turned to Saturday and the Saturday turned to Sunday, I think the organisers, or it seemed, it seemed to me, just watch it, watching it, it seemed to me that the organisers... The players and even the crowd itself became you know self aware in what was happening, and that the the bad elements were more and more weeded out throughout the week. Like if somebody really overstepped the mark, the crowd actually turned on them, you know, as well as the players and the officials were doing doing this as well. So it was great to see that that those rogue elements were stamped out more and more as the week got on, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't allowed to continue as it as it began or as it happened or in the earlier sessions. Um, it was awful for 
for those things to happen and um, they shouldn't happen and uh, it was good to see them fixed so I, I don't want to talk about it anymore it, it sucks to see it it doesn't belong there it doesn't belong in any sport I'm all for banter I'm all for you being very supportive of your team look if if their putt doesn't go in of course you're going to cheer you know but when things start getting personal that's that's beyond the mark so uh, you know leave it out and uh, just just be good just you don't have to be good fans just be great fans be enthusiastic fans and, and that's that's what I want to see so let's move forward then you talked on the task force you talked about how America has looked inward over the last two mm. years and have made changes is this now at 11, uh, 17 11 is it time for Europe to look at changes or is this just one of those anomalies that just has happened let's not push the panic button straight away or should we be looking at reforming the way players get on the team do we need does the European team need a task force first and foremost oh we don't need a task force when you can always look at improvements in, the, in a setup or in a system and you know, if, you're, if you're not trying to improve you're, you're just going to stay stagnant and the Americans have made big leaps um, we clearly have some small flaws in our some flaws in our system I mean we've Paul Casey's not on our team there He's been one of the best players in the FedEx Cup and brilliant the last two, three months. Why would you not want him on your team? He would have been... Put Casey in there instead of Westwood. You have a very experienced player who's playing phenomenal golf. Russell but, Knox as well is another player Russell that, Knox that, has that, that in America well. has played hugely well. Like Was that a short-sightedness by, the, by Darren Clark not to be looking at guys who are playing week in, week out in America and know yeah. what the American crowds are like? No, that would have been... Knox would have been a good thing. I think Knox... Knox screwed himself out of a spot on you know a couple of occasions. One by not joining the tour earlier uh, to get his eligibility in place early enough before his WGC win, and uh, when he said that you know Darren had no choice but to pick him or something to that effect, that's just you're asking for trouble, mate. And uh, Darren rightly just flipped in the bird and didn't pick him. So um, the the system needs a couple of tweaks, I think, to uh, to be a little bit more inclusive because it is a global game these days and. Um, you're almost dictating the players they have to play this or they have to play that by, by, well, by the way the idea is. has always been that it was the pinnacle to try and represent the European mm-hmm. tour on, on this event and you know they always wanted to make sure that the players who were playing that tour were obviously See, we're getting, not though but you're representing Europe not the European tour the same way the Americans are representing hang on hear me out the Americans are representing America not the PGA tour so there is you know we need to make this distinction between the European Tour and Europe. We need the best European team, not the best European Tour team, to be playing for Europe in the biggest team spectacle. But, but the in difficulty, golf. the difficulty for that is this is, is it's it's a sanctioned event by the European Tour. Mm-hmm. It is players who are associated with the European Tour. Yes, they obviously have to be European. That's the first. That's a that's a citizenship yeah. requirement or a nationality requirement to be considered eligible. The problem is that if there's massive changes like that. I think you'll find that there is already a hemorrhaging of good players over to the United mm-hmm. States. The European Tour need to try and hold a little bit of, of ability to, to get these guys to come back and play some of the major events here in terms of, the, no, I don't mean the major, so, some of the bigger, the bigger events, events yeah, on the Tour. Look, I agree they, they, need to have some, they need to have some of that. But these guys, you know, the Ryder Cups once every two years, their career is an ongoing thing. If the right decision for them is to go to the PGA Tour and play golf for them, they're going to do it. You know, 
that's the number one priority and concern for these guys. It's their career. It's their livelihood. Get that sorted. Then worry about, okay, now I'm in a good position. I've got my tour card. Do I take up the dual tour membership or do I, you know, what do I do here to try and get on the Ryder Cup team now that I've got my year sorted, you know, the mortgage is paid, blah, blah, blah. So I, that's the number one priority. A few little tweaks can happen. I think like you suggested, and uh, as the Americans have shown, I think we need to hold off a pick until later. Maybe we have four Ryder Cup captains picks. Um, you made a really good point. I don't know if you want to make it now, but the, the well, no, I was just suggesting of the, the of a point system. That, that one of the concerns I had was that you get the same points to win the week before the last event in a Ryder Cup calendar as you do at the beginning. Hmm. The difficulty with that is we had a couple of players that won events at the very beginning, and I think that was Andy Sullivan and, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. Hmm. I have no difficulty with them being in the team. That's not the point. But if you win at the very beginning and you do very little thereafter, they were virtually guaranteed, if not already guaranteed, their European spot mm -hmm. from 12 months out. It does mean that over the course of the next 12 months, it becomes a problem if the form dips. Perhaps if you have it in a build-up of points, that if mm -hmm. you win 12 months out, you get X amount of points, but the same amount of points you got for that win might now only be a top five the week before yeah. the Ryder Cup starts. So... It just means that it's weighted towards former guys who are in form closer. closer to the event. Because you need the 12 months, no doubt about that. But you also need to reward guys who are in form. Ryan Moore being a really mm -hmm. good example. He just missed out. He was in form. He went to the Ryder Cup. He played well. Lee Westwood was not in form. Shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been picked. But the point is that same could be said that Andy Sullivan... And Matthew Fitzpatrick, who were already automatic in the team, there was nothing they could do, yeah. were not showing the same form as a Casey, as a Knox, as a somebody else. A Molinari. Yeah. And that, would you say, well, actually, if I took it from six months out, those guys aren't in the top ten. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's just things that, in my view, I don't think you radically change anything. I think you tweak. That's mm -hmm. all you do. If there's a problem in Paris at the 42nd one in two years' time, then you might have to start looking at where are we being beaten. I think we also have to remember there were six rookies here. Yeah. Gone to America. It's very hard to win in America. Like, mm -hmm. you know, over the course of 41 times, it is only a handful of times we've done it. This was four in a row. That's never been done before by a European team. This was not an easy ask. And I think there was fundamental problems along the way. I wouldn't necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater just just yet no, I agree. but tweaks need to be made and mm -hmm. um, I have I didn't actually tell you this question off air but um, do you want to have a guess of the captains for the next one in? do I want to have a guess who do you um, think will be captain for do you know what I, don't, I actually don't it should be a Frenchman leading Europe in France it should be that will help build it up I, I don't think I don't think it will be though um, Harrington says he wants to play so he'll take himself <laughs> <coughs> you have to think positive you, you know? do yeah you, no, do. you have to um, good luck to that yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw out I, I that think, I think it should be Angel Cabrera Angel uh, Mingel Angel Jimenez sorry I was talking about Angel Cabrera the yeah he had the Angel oh, yeah, no. um, I think I think he 
has the right attitude. I think it's continental. I don't think it's going to be Jean Van de Velde or somebody of that. Yeah. Like, I don't think well, it's Tom, going Thomas, to be... Thomas LeVay. I just don't think it's them. Do you think they're big enough players? I don't think they just... Uh, they, they haven't been... They, they weren't vice-captains this time. Mm. I just don't know if they have... There is a system. Now, if you look at the, the guys that are there this week, like, would it be Harrington? Bjorn, you know, Mig. Would it be Bjorn? Yeah. There's a few others that are there, but... And it's a good point, actually, made by they haven't been vice-captain. I don't think anybody should be a captain in a Ryder Cup, either for Europe or USA, without being a vice-captain, because you get to see you have how to see it goes on and see what happens. You gain experience by doing that. So, uh, look, Miguel Ángel Jiménez will be a phenomenal captain. We, he will be when he, take, when he takes it on. He could, can you imagine him in America, though? He'd be... I know. I think I. I don't. I don't know if he's the right person for America. That's that would be my only thing. Because what he doesn't speak American. No, I just. I have not looked four years in yeah. advance, and it's hard to. But I would nearly be looking at someone like Harrington four years in advance. Mm-hmm. You know, because he is a major champion. He's won over there. He knows the lie of the language. English is his native tongue. Yeah, I'm not even bothered about the the, the language bit. It's just simply that he knows the place. He knows it well. And that I just think it's easier, especially like the language maybe it wasn't something I was conscious about, but maybe it would be easier in America than it is English speaking natively. I don't think it's as important in two years that that's the case. Mm -hmm. I actually think someone like him would be brilliant for it. Yeah. Um, maybe Maybe Thomas Bjorn. Um, yeah, again, another, another great example. I think in American America, captain. well, <laughs> no, in France, American captain. Well, you see, the funny thing was that they were all going on about Tiger Woods, and I just don't think that. I think four years yeah. is is where Tiger yeah, does yeah. it. Um, Jim Furyk. Well, it's it's funny. I was looking at them. Yeah, Jim would be. I think it has to be somebody in that group that was there mm. that was very much involved. So he really is the 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 person who was kind of standing out. Wouldn't necessarily go against the idea that Davis Love might be asked at another time I think they, they have a tendency really? to I, I just I think that he's done so well it will be his to decide if he wants it he gets it um, but yeah like Jim Furyk I think you can only look at the group that were vice captains this time round this time round as the likelihood now two years is a long time. Steve Stricker, Tom Lehman, then I, I don't I, think Tom Lehman is coming back um, yeah, since I his man of God problems. I um, don't think Bubba Watson ever captains a Ryder Cup team. Well, no, he's too he's, emo- a, he's too emotional. He was a to- just a token vice captain's pick to kind of. I don't know if he was a token. Well, I don't to know placate, if I agree to that. placate him for all the crap that went on beforehand about the being a captain's. To pick be as a fair, player. to be fair, I watched quite a bit of the kind of the lead up. I watched each of the nights when they did the hour program of what was happening, mm. and. I don't like him on the course generally, but I kind of warmed a little bit to Bubba over the course of the week. And, you know, he's he's not being picked. Mm. He's a big, big name. He's been there before. Ryan Moore gets it. He's kind of in the mix of three names. Doesn't get it. To be fair to the guy, he goes and he didn't. He wasn't a drag on the team. No, like, he, he wasn't a drag. He, like, he embraced it. it. Yeah. And in fairness, I don't like all the crying. I really don't. Because there's a part of me that's like, seriously, Bubba, shut the up like you gotta get over this but at the same time there was something about him this week I just don't think he dragged the ticket I don't think he dragged the group and I think to be fair to him he took it like a man really Mm. did like he he swallowed he closed his eyes and he thought of his country and he went there and he did what he had to do and in fairness him and Tiger you know those guys names they could have easily said look Tom uh, Davis I don't really want to be there 
Mm. Like if I'm not playing, I don't really want to be a part of this. I think the fact that they were shows this whole inclusive attitude that the Americans now have. And that's a real worry for me as a European looking at the future because an inclusive America is a strong America. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, it's going to be a lot of a lot of close matches over the next number of Ryder Cups and that's great yeah I, I think just like to, looking towards wrapping up I think overall I love the the spirit in which this was played between the two teams the sportsmanship the the kind of mutual understanding that they were putting on a show and uh, that only worked by them going hammer and tongs at it but also respecting the others and acknowledging great golf and acknowledging that that great golf is part of the theatre and golf going out to a global audience in this brilliant package and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it to watch it um, and I hope it's just as entertaining the next time around in, Par- in Paris in two years time and, and for further Ryder Cups beyond that well look I'm going to leave it at that because I don't think we can go any further there are competitions Dunhill is on this week we'll deal with all of them next week um, at a good talk golf is the Twitter handle a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. We're on game book. Barry O'Hanner and James Richardson. Barry, thank you for all your input this week. You too, James. Good show. Thank you for all the listeners. You'll find us on iTunes as well. Give us a, 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 a rating if you can. Let your friends know. Keep in contact. Enjoy the golf over the weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, Barry. Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.